This podcast is proud to be part of the Blueberry Network. That's blueberry with no E's dot com. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneur on Fire, and you're listening to Transpersonal Radio with Angela Lynn Gibson. Remember, your thoughts upload your reality. Think wisely and always prepare to ignite. Welcome. Welcome to Transpersonal Radio. Transpersonalradio.com. Real talk for real life. Inspiring podcasts. Exploring personal empowerment. empowerment. And transformation. Through parapsychology, spirituality, and how your thoughts upload. upload your reality. And now your host, Angela. Angela L. Gibson. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com forward slash transpersonal radio. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. My name is Angela Lynn Gibson, and usually when I give my talks, I like to have a nice big PowerPoint presentation and all that fun stuff. But I don't have that today, so I'm going <coughs> to kind of cheat a little bit off my iPad. So if I'm looking down at stuff, that's what's happening. The problem is I tend to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and then I get off task. So I have to give myself a bullet point list. So I'll wait for everybody to kind of get settled here for just a moment. You guys having a good day so far? Fun? Lots of fun vendors, lots of fun readers, lots of fun stuff. Lots of great energy, right? I love coming to these things. Today's topic is walk-ins, communicating with disembodied spirits, and near-death experiences. So probably most, if not all of you, have heard those terms, right? Has everybody heard the term walk-in? No? Yeah? Yes and no? Great. How about disembodied spirits? Right? We call those all kinds of different things, apparitions, ghosts, right? Beings on the other side, light beings. And near-death experiences, that one's pretty self-explanatory, right? We kind of kissed right up against that and said, eh, nope, not today, right? I've done that a few times, so we're going to talk about that. So basically, what is a walk-in? That's what we're going to talk about. What is it? And we're going to talk about what defines a near-death experience because there are different viewpoints of that. So we need to make sure we're on the same page of what that means, right? And then we're going to talk about what is the connection between having a near-death experience and then having psychic or psi phenomena happen. Because there happens to be an increase in your psychic ability after you have a near-death experience. So we're going to talk about that. So what is a walk-in? A walk-in is typically a disembodied spirit. So first let's define disembodied spirit. That would be a spirit who, of course, is no longer in physical form, but is not yet passed on into the light or is not passed on beyond another realm. So it's a, it's a spirit that's still earthbound, just no longer in physical form. Okay. Normally, with a walk-in situation, the person has gone through, is going through a near-death experience or is going through a very traumatic experience. They're going through a period in time where you're really questioning, do I want to stay in physical form or do I want to leave? And so what happens is there's a soul contract with another disembodied spirit that says, I don't want to go through the birthing process all over again. That's pretty traumatic. I'm just going to jump into a physical body that's available. Now, this isn't a possession. This is not something that's against your will. Again, this is like a soul contract. It's an agreement. Okay. 
There are a couple ways that this can happen. One of them is called something like a replacement, meaning if someone goes through a near-death experience and they're revived, so oftentimes you have someone who goes into cardiac arrest or they're in a car accident and they lose them. Through CPR they bring them back, but guess what? It may not be the same spirit. So it would be the same physical form, the same physical body, but it might be what's called a walk-in that's come in to take the place. And it might be a total replacement. There's another way this happens. This is a way that it's happened for me. It's called a soul braiding. So what happens there is the soul decides that it needs some extra help for various reasons. I'm going to give an example. And so a higher being, a higher disembodied spirit, someone who might be uh, maybe more like a mentor or a parental figure or someone who's able to come in and give guidance will come in and help sustain that person in physical presence. Here's an example. So one of my first near-death experiences that I ever went through was when I was two years old. We were on the Autobahn in Germany. Parents were driving, my father was driving, mother was in the front seat. We were in a 1960s Volkswagen. Way back then, they didn't put seatbelts in cars. Didn't exist. My mother, following her intuition, tied my car seat into the back seat with rope. So when we went through this traumatic accident, I was cut with glass. They both went through the windshield. Mother died at the scene. Father's throat was cut side to side with windshield from the windscreen. I was cut vociferously with glass. Of course, there was glass flying everywhere. Now, you can imagine a two-year-old toddler seeing something so traumatic at that moment might say, I don't want to be here anymore. I want to check out, right? I want to leave. At that moment was my first experience with a walk-in. I had to have a walk-in come in, calm me down, keep me tethered to this plane, and help me and fill in where my mom left. Now, I've been through uh, counseling, I've been to different uh, intuitive counselors, and I've even had several say that might have even been your mother, just jump, her, your mother's spirit just jumping in and saying, hey, I'm still going to be here with you, I'm still going to sustain you, I'm still going to guide you, I'm still going to be your mother. I'm just going to have to borrow your body to do that. And that's what soul braiding is. Okay, so that's, it's not kicking the one out. It's taking another one in and saying, okay, we're going to do this. And it's just temporary until you get through this and you can keep going. Right? Because a little two-year-old toddler needs a little extra help. That's pretty traumatic, right, to go through that. So that's what happens there. Okay. So the other really important thing to remember is that when this was going on, I was raised agnostic, okay? So there was no talk of spirituality or angels or God or any of that kind of thing. That's important because I didn't have that kind of framework to work from, right, for these paranormal experiences to be happening. A lot of times little kids will have these experiences and they might just be kind of parroting what they've been hearing in the household, right? Oh, it's angels or it's this or it's that. That didn't go on in my house. So even when my mother died, there was none of this talk about, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're, your mom went to heaven. Oh, your mom's with the angels, right? That's not, that's not the conversations we had. So it's really interesting the platform that I was coming from when I was going through this, right? And that's why I have a very strong scientific background in this area because 
That's, that's the background it came from. Okay, so here's what's interesting. How do you guys know if you are a walk-in or if you've ever had a walk-in, how would you know? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever wondered? It's kind of crazy, right? But it happens. So watch this. One of the ways you're going to know if you possibly ever have had a walk-in or are a walk-in is if you've ever had a near-death experience. Anybody in here ever done that? Yeah? A couple people? Yeah? So if you've ever undergone or experienced a near-death experience or an out-of-body experience, that's a moment as well that you can have a walk-in. Okay? Because everybody understands that you are tethered to your physical form, so your, your ethereal body, your spirit body, is tethered by a silver cord, right? This is how we're connected. This is how we're rooted. Now, if you start stretching that and you start flitting out of your physical form, guess what happens? You've got an opening. Now, again, this isn't a possession, so this isn't anything to be afraid of. There's nothing that's not coming in without your permission, okay? Now, here's another way to think about have I ever had a walk-in or am I a walk-in? Do you suddenly have knowledge about a topic or do you suddenly have a skill set you never had before? Here's an example. There was a young man who was pretty well off, came from a well-off family, never worked on his own vehicles, didn't even know how to change the oil in his car, no clue. He committed suicide. They say attempted suicide because they revived him. But guess what? All of a sudden, he could go out and completely dismantle an engine, put everything back together, loves working on cars, knows everything about cars. Hmm. Long story short, they go on and on and on and investigate. Turns out he's a walk-in. It's not the same guy. So the guy who committed suicide was actually successful in committing suicide. The person who jumped in was another spirit being. Why? Why would that happen? Couple reasons. One, this spirit being needed to work out things still, karmic patterns, and again did not want to go through the rebirthing process, so wants to jump into a physical available container. Two, this son knew by leaving his parents would be completely devastated. So this was a marker, a holder, so that they would still be able to go on. Okay. Here's another thing. Do you ever have time slips? Do you ever have like large amounts of time that are just missing? Do you ever have conversations with people and go, oh yeah, you remember when we did this, 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 this? And you're like, huh, no, not exactly. I don't really remember that. Yeah, that's a sign. Okay. Have you ever started speaking or understanding a foreign language or with an accent? You go, what the, what the heck was that? Or you hear someone speaking a foreign language and you actually understand what they're saying? Guess what? That's another sign. Okay? Now this is saying not that you've taken lessons in high school and so you're, you know, you're understanding. This is one of those one-off moments where you're like, well, that was weird. Right? But that's a sign. Uh, another thing is if you ever feel like you're out of place, like you don't fit in, you, everything feels surreal to you, you're kind of like, I feel like I've been here before, but... Something's off. Something's just a little weird, right? That's a sign. Um, and a big one is, have people actually said to you, you're, you're different. I don't, you're not quite you. 
I mean, I know you're you because I'm looking at you, but you're not you. If you've ever had somebody say that to you, you go, oh, because your personality is completely different. Yeah. Or your belief system is completely different. Yeah. Right? Wow, where'd that come from? That's interesting. Okay. Now, scientists, physicians, psychiatrists, some of them will say, well, that's nothing more than DID, dis Disassociative Identity Disorder, or MPD, that's Multiple Personality Disorder, right? Yeah, well, that's fair to ask that question. That's fair. Well, how do we know the difference? How do we know if it's disassociated identity or multiple personality or walk-in? How do we know? Well, we look at what's happening. Okay, so here are some of the traits that are shared between these different phenomena. Time slips or time loss. They share that. Out-of-body experiences or feeling that you've had an out-of-body experience, they share that. Change in personality, wow, you're different. This isn't you, right? They share that. But watch this, this is where it gets different. Depression, mood swings, suicidal tendencies, sleep disorders, meaning insomnia or anxiety, trouble falling asleep. This is when you don't have a walk-in. Anxiety, panic attacks, phobias, flashbacks, right? Compulsions to harm yourself or compulsions to harm others. Walk-ins don't do this to you, okay? Psychotic-like symptoms, including auditory or visual hallucinations, violence towards self and others, and sometimes people will actually have alternates, they'll create alternates because they're trying to get away with a crime or they just want attention. They go, oh, that sounds interesting, people will pay attention to me if I say this, this, this. The problem is when that happens, at some point, it, un it unravels, okay? Because when you have a walk-in and this is happening, a lot of times you may not even know that that's happening. So you're not walking around saying, ah, I had a walk-in, right? I didn't learn that this has happened to me until I was well into my 30s, okay? So it's not like from a child I was walking around going, yeah, I have a walk-in, isn't that cool? <laughs> it's not the way it works, okay? The bottom line is the difference is that if you have a walk-in, again, as I mentioned, it's by a soul agreement, soul contract, it's not a possession. And if you have a walk-in, that person is not going to be trying to harm you or other people. So if you start having these weird off-the-wall things that are going on, you go, that's a different problem. Okay, so I want to make sure that that's clear. So let's talk about what a near-death experience is, right? So we can talk about, I mean, in general, we know, well, it, it means that you either did die for a short period of time and then you came back, or you almost died, right? And there are a few people that raised their hands in here. Many claim that a near-death experience is nothing more than the normal neurophysiological response that your body goes through when you're undergoing a traumatic or anxious experience, and that's fair, because there are neurological symptoms and there are physical symptoms, physiological symptoms that your body goes through. It's a natural process of death. So that's okay. But this goes beyond that. The International Association, and I'm actually going to read this because this is an important quote. International Association for Near-Death Studies says, a near-death experience, or NDE, is a profound psychological event that may occur to a person close to death or who is not near death, but in a situation of physical or emotional crisis. Being in a life-threatening situation does not by itself constitute a near-death experience. It is the pattern of perceptions creating a recognizable overall event that has been called a near-death experience. Okay, that's a lot of stuff, right? 
breaking it down, it just means that there's a psychological component that happens with the physiological and neurological component when you undergo actual death for a short period of time or you're in an event where it's a near death, where you come close, but you don't quite get there. We could all agree that on any level that would be a life-changing experience, right? I mean, that's pretty, pretty traumatic. There's a professor and a psychiatrist named Bruce Grayson. He is really well-known in his circles. He's an assistant uh, teaching, he's a professor at a university, and he's also head of a clinic for psychiatry. He has developed a scale with 16 questions, so it's a questionnaire that you can fill out, and it will determine, first of all, if you've actually had a near-death experience, and secondly, where you fall on that scale, okay? Some of the questions include things like, did time speed up or did time slow down? Now, you guys that raised your hands in here, this is for sure for you, but even if you haven't, this is really interesting. Did scenes from your past come back to you, sort of like mm -hmm. a life review, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did you see or did you feel surrounded by a brilliant or bright light? Yeah, dark. dark. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did and, uh, you... Lies and like a, angels. Was like sing, angels. Uh -huh, singing and I was so peaceful there that I don't want to come back. That's an, that is an NDE right there. I want to stay. Yeah, I want to stay. And oftentimes you're given a choice. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes they say, you need to go back. Yes, yes. And that is, did you feel separated from your body? Sort of like an out-of-body experience. Did you encounter a mystical being or presence or hear an unidentifiable voice? So light beings, angels, disembodied spirits, certainly. Anyway, there are 16 questions in total. And what you do is you go through and you answer these questions. Did this happen to you when you had this experience? And then they will say where you fell on that scale for that near-death experience. Okay, so that's really interesting because here's the thing. The other study he did, and they actually did a scientific study, was published in a medical journal. And they started looking at what the connection is between spirit communication, psychic phenomena, because it seems like when someone has a near-death experience, huh, all of a sudden they have clairvoyance. Or they can see people's auras, or they can hear or see apparitions. What's going on here? So they decided to study it. So after you have a near-death experience, what's going on? Why is this happening? Well, some people say that if you have a near-death experience, you sort of have a spiritual awakening at that point. Especially people who have never had a belief system. I was raised agnostic. We didn't talk about any type of faith or belief system. You can imagine if somebody experiences death or near death, they might start to question things a little bit differently, right? They might go, wow, hmm, what is going on here? So they have sort of a spiritual awakening or they start seeking or they start asking questions. So that might start that connection where before it was completely shut down because it's the five senses. It's what I can see, hear, taste, smell, feel right here in the physical. I don't need to worry about anything else until you're faced right with your mortality and then you go, maybe I do. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the other thing is that when you go through a near-death experience, there can be activation. Your pineal gland wakes up. Your pineal gland is a little gland smack dab in the middle of your brain. It's also referred to as the third eye. 
or Ajna, the mustard seed in the Bible, it's that little central gland that's your direct connection to source, God, Yahweh, Allah, whatever your term is. Okay, that's your connection. You go through a near-death experience, something triggers in your brain, that pineal gland goes, hey, all of a sudden, you've got this heightened clairvoyance, you've got this heightened sixth sense, you've got this thing going on, right? Okay, well, another reason for that is you might have a walk-in. Somebody walks in and says, you didn't believe in all this stuff, but I do, and I have these abilities, and so I'm going to help you out a little bit, because we have some work to do. You think people that have these gifts, they're just supposed to sit around and say, meh, whatever, no. And I don't really like to use the word gift because it's a skill that people can develop. But if you have that skill, you have it because you're supposed to be out there helping people and doing something with it. Sometimes you just need a little bit of a nudge. Okay. So the scientific study by Dr. Bruce Grayson, Increase in Psychic Phenomena Following Near-Death Experiences, again, was published in the Journal of Near-Death Studies. The reason is because they sat around and they said, now, is this happening or are we imagining this? What is going on here? So they decided we're going to actually study it. And they did. What do you think they found? There were nine points, nine, that were beyond the possibility of pure chance in a group of people who had undergone near-death uh, near experience. They showed marked noticeable increase beyond chance of ESP experiences, extra, extra sensory perception. So being able to, uh, have you ever seen the little cards that have the stars and the circles and the wavy lines and the squares? And you, you know, the person doesn't see it and they have to tell you what it is without looking at it, right? That's one example. But extrasensory perception can just be heightened hearing. You can hear, say, disembodied spirits, for example. Or you can see spirit, right? Or you can see aura, for example. So again, heightened DSP experiences, further out-of-body experiences, or astral travel, as it's sometimes called, Encounters with apparitions, well that just sounds crazy. But guess what? There was enough of a study in this group that said, this is happening beyond just random chance with these people who have near-death experiences. Perception of auras, mystical experiences, that can entail a lot. They don't really go into that. Lucid dreams, does everybody know what a lucid dream is? Being able to control your dreams, recognizing your dreaming and then being able to control what's happening in that dream. That's fun, you should learn that. Weekly dream recall, how many people go, oh, I never have dreams? Yes, you do. You just might not remember them. But this isn't just daily, this is weekly, meaning you can remember a dream a week later exactly what happened as if you were living it and it were real. Which brings up the question, what is real? Is this real or is this the dream, right? <laughs> hmm, I don't know. Dream analysis, meaning they got really good at being able to interpret what their dreams mean. They didn't have to go to anybody else. They would wake up the next day and go, well, this happened and this happened and this happened and that's what that means. Oh, cool. Well, I'd like to do that. I don't, I don't really do that. That's kind of cool. And meditation. There was an increase in meditation. Now, a lot of people, before they have a near-death experience, again, it's rush, 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 busy, busy, busy. Most people will be like, oh, meditation. That's for those silly yogi gurus. I don't have time for that but you have a near-death experience and you go, wait a minute, maybe I better slow down and take half an hour and meditate. And you'd be amazed at the doors that open up if you get proficient at meditating. Amazed. 
it is not just a way for you to relax, check out, drop out, tune out. This is for you to connect to source and get your game on. Okay? There was an increase, a market increase, in the ability for people to shut down the monkey mind chatter and be able to meditate and connect to source after a near-death experience. That's pretty cool. All right. Now, the data may be interpreted as evidence of NDE somehow they are able to produce an increase in psychic experiences presumably by facilitating communication with an individual's latent sensitivities or with some alternate reality. Another interpretation compatible with the data is that an NDE may merely increase an individual's awareness of or ability to recognize those paranormal abilities he or she always had. So what that's saying is the results of the study were that either A, you actually are able to communicate, all of a sudden you come online after a near-death experience, or you're, just, you're, you're awakening something that was already there. You just needed that extra little nudge. So it either pushed you over the edge where you, now you have that connection, or you had it all along, and you just need a little extra help to make that connection. Okay, now here's an opposing view, because we don't want to just go down the rabbit hole without asking questions. Okay, there was a book that was published in 2005 entitled The God Gene, How Faith is Hardwired into Our Genes. It explores humans being, the human being's genetic predisposition to have mystic experiences or paranormal experiences or to believe in a higher spirit, okay? Geneticist Dean Hamer is the director of the Gene Structure and Regulation Unit at the U.S. National Cancer Institute. He's the one who authored the book, and he was able to isolate the VMAT2, and it's also called the God gene. They were able to find a gene that says people who express this gene, where it's turned on, tend to have more mystical experiences. They tend to have more spiritual experiences. They tend to have more of a belief in a higher power or an alternate belief system. Okay, so does this refute the existence of God? Does it refute the existence of paranormal experiences or mystical experiences? Maybe, maybe not. But I would argue that it'd be really interesting and exciting research to keep going down this road and see if we can figure out how we are taking in all of this external data and internal data and how we're expressing it in our lives, right? How we're interpreting it. So we need to understand how our physical experiences and our spiritual experiences are actually expressed. We can argue that all of us have this VMAT gene and that's the gene with the allele that needs to be turned on for us to connect and have this experience. This is exactly what I've been talking about today. Not that just because we have it doesn't mean none of this other stuff exists, right? So that's really interesting future research, I think, for sure. So here's the thing. If you guys have ever had a near-death experience or you think you've had a walk-in or you think you might be a walk-in or you have interest in any of these paranormal-type subjects, I would love to talk to you and I would love to interview you for my radio show. I have a show called Transpersonal Radio. Always love to talk to people who are going through this. So be sure to get with me. And then very quickly, does anybody have any questions for me? That was a lot of stuff. Yes. On the contract with the, um, the spirit coming in, yes. is that made prior to this reincarnation or is that something that's a contract or is it? How is that made? When is that made? Sure. It can be either or. 
it can be uh, it can be before you even come onto this earth plane at all. So say you're in between lives, you haven't incarnated yet into physical form, you make a contract with someone that says, hey, let's do this, okay, for whatever reason. There, there are lots and lots of reasons. Oftentimes it happens when you're already in trouble and you're making that decision. Am I flitting out or am I going to stay? Or a disembodied spirit who may even be a relative comes in and says, I see what's happening here and I don't want you to jump out yet. It's not time, so I'm going to... I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to hold your hand for a little bit. I'm going to get you centered until you can get through this. And that's the braiding. And that's the braiding. Okay. Exactly. Thanks. You bet. Any other questions? Yes. Given what you've been talking about, how does possession occur? Mm. First of all, what happens there is someone will be doing something, playing around with something they shouldn't be playing around with. Usually dark arts or trying to do a shamanistic ritual that they're not trained in or they're doing it without mentorship. They don't really know what they're doing. They open up a portal, they make themselves vulnerable, and something will jump in. When it's a possession, this is definitely going to be something or someone who's going to be trying to harm that person or someone else, so it'll be very violent, it's not gonna be pretty. It'll be things like putting thoughts into, into your head or whatever. Now having said that, the main way that happens is if you live a life of fear, guess what you're opening yourself up to? If you live a life of feeling vulnerable and unable to care for yourself, or you live a life thinking that can happen to you, then you're opening yourself up to that. You have control over your body. You have control over your spirit. You have control over what comes in and out. Okay? And don't mess around with stuff that you don't, you know, yeah, don't go there. <laughs> okay. If you are interested in learning things like that, find someone who knows what they're doing, not the dark arts. Stay away from that period. If you're interested in learning certain aspects of the paranormal, make sure you meet up with someone who knows what they're doing and they can mentor you and teach you. Okay. Anybody else? How long did your mom stay with you? Did you feel like, or is she still She's still here. Yeah. She's not, you know, yeah. soul-braided, but she's around. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. She pops in regularly. Mm -hmm. I'm out. I got to go, guys. Okay. I went over my time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And just so you know, Angela Lynn Gibson is going to be co-hosting the TV show Paranormal Insights. Yay. We're going to be filming October uh, yes. 16. Uh, 30 days later, Thank you. Thank you for listening to Trans Transpersonal Radio. If you'd like to suggest a future future topic or be a guest, visit transpersonalradio.com. Call the hotline at 619-800-6057 or, or like our page, facebook.com slash transpersonalradio.